Welcome to Scum Beer and Villainy Shorts. It's like our regular podcast, only shorter. Here we'll review beers, interview other nerds, and generally have a damn good time on your behalf. I'm your host, Marcel Harper. I am the author of the beginnerbrewer.com blog, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and fellow beer geek, Matt Bezeling. Hi. Hi, Matt. Hi, Marcel. So, we're recording in our new garden studio today. I was, was going to say, we're outside in this glorious sunlight. It's beautiful. It is. It's it's playing havoc with basically every element of the system that we have. Yes. Well, we're, we're testing the limits of the system. I think it's called stress testing. <laughs> yes, this is disaster recovery protocol. <laughs> or sun testing. Sun testing. Well, I think we're going to have a sun burn at the end of this, which is sort of appropriate, I guess. Uh, well, it depends on what beers we're drinking. So I'm really excited about the, uh, this is our first short episode. Yeah. And we're going to try and bring them out more frequently now. Listeners have really been asking for more frequency, and uh, we respond to our listeners. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> and Matthew's mom. She was like, they said, like, we love your podcast, but there's too much of it. Yes. We prefer for there to be less <laughs> yes, to listen please to. please make it shorter. You, <laughs> you suck. So in, in order to suck less, we are going to do a lot of these throughout the year. And um, today's one is kind of cool because we're going to start off with what I would like to call the Battle of the Blondes. Okay. I'm intrigued. Yes. So we're going to be drinking a couple of blonde ales. Uh-huh. And we can talk about the style a little bit. Um, and then we're going to review them and we're going to sort of rank them in order of, you know, good to not so good. In our totally subjective, non-scientific way. I don't know about you, Matt, but I am very objective and scientific at all times. Yes, yes. Cool. So we're going to start off with, I'm just going to randomly dip into our be- magical beer box. <sighs> magical beer box. Is magical back. beer box. Sorry, can I just mention that mm. your cat seems to be making love to my leg? Um, That's yep. normal. <laughs> It, it was getting deeply, deeply passionate with my ankle bone. She she likes all legs and feet. Okay. She's now coughing something up, so mm. she obviously found what she was looking for. Wow, that's beautiful, man. <laughs> I'm just, just saying. That's I think it's important image. that you know that I wasn't sexually assaulting your cat. Right. We're going to start off with um, a beer we know. And we have sort of, I think we've experienced this beer before. Um, it's Drifter's Cape Town Blonde. I do, yes, mm. yes. Right, good. If if you look, let's let's look at before the pour. Let's start that way. We do it properly around here. Um, what do you think, man? We we've discussed um, we have. Drifters branding before, and mm. I think we both quite like the the kind of stylistic yeah. label elements. You know, they've got yeah, the illustrative labels. Cool little illustrative labels. Um, you know, they're not overly complex. It's not it's not over designed. Mm. Um, if you look <clears> at Drifters labels, I mean, what do you would you pick this up? And take it home with you and love it? I think because they are relatively unique. Mm. You know, uh, the the motifs they use are certainly not what you see on every bottle. Um, I like, I, I like, I, I do like them. I really do. Mm. And, and they're consistent. Um, I, I actually in particular like this one. I, I think we've we've mm. had about two or three different, different we have. drifters. We've, we've, had, yes, the, we've had the coconut. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Mm. Yeah. And the, of, of all of them, I think this has got such a cool West Coast mm. 70s beatnik feel and I think that's a, I, I like the motif um, I don't uh, without having without remembering and without drinking right now what tasting the beer mm. I, I don't know how relevant it is to the beer but sure but I like the branding I, I mean, mean look I, I specifically chose blondes because of it's an it's a entry level craft beer for many people mm. um, the blonde ale is also something which is very unique to craft breweries because it was a style which was really almost invented by home brewers yeah um, when homebrewing became very popular, because it's an it's I wouldn't say it's an easy style to make, but it certainly is not complicated in terms of ingredients, and it's a nice alternative to your standard lager. Yeah. Um, and and that's sort of why I picked it. But I also picked it because it's a it's a style which which most breweries sort of slate as their um, entry level. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I don't like about the Drifter. Um, I wonder if you're about to say what I think Branding, you're Branding, I'm sure you know what I'm going to say. And, and I see it everywhere. Is the, the on the nose. The sort of play on the blonde. Yeah. And then, then invariably invokes this idea that, that because it's an entry-level ale, it's, it's meant for women. And I, I kind of really despise that whole. Yeah. 
gender shit in beer. I think, look, we've had this disagreement before because I think the what I, I, what I don't like mm. is the very obvious comparison of a blonde L to a blonde on your label. Yeah. And then that, and that, it's very on the nose. It's very on the nose. Mm. Um, but I don't necessarily feel that it implies that it's a girl's drink. In, in many ways, I think mm. the, the, the labeling is a little bit more, you know, I'm going to... Get all social justice on you, but mm. yeah, it's a little bit misogynistic, you know. We're gonna we're gonna put sure. a, we're gonna put a hot blonde on the label. Um, mm. I think this one is tastefully done. It's not. It is actually tastefully done. Big I mean, boobs and piercings. It's. Um, I like it. I mean, I like the little subscript of she's too good for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, invoking that whole. There's a little bit of empowerment there, mm. so I can handle that. I can handle mm. that. But yeah, the, it is on the nose, and I, I really, w- I really would prefer to see a little bit more. A little um, more inventiveness. A little more inventive, inventiveness, yeah. Also, you don't have to... I mean, although the style is called blonde ale, it's also sometimes called golden ale. Um, you know, there, there have been a few names for it, but you, you don't have to call it the blonde ale. You can call it the golden ale. You yeah. can call it a summer ale. You, yeah. you know, it's up to you as a brewer to name your beers. No one's going to... The BJCP black van ain't going to come and... Take you away with yeah. Look, I think they obviously the the blonde L route is a little bit easier to go because it opens up all those branding ideas. You sure, know? the lazy branding ideas. Well, I often say when I work with people on brands as well that that you you should probably discard your first twenty or so ideas which pop into your head because those are all c- coming from the wrong places. Yeah, and and then start looking at what what's yeah. coming out of your brain after that. Isn't isn't that like a, a a common artistic kind of credibility statement? Is that you took all your Juvenalia and threw it away. Mm. That was that. That's like you know. Absolutely. When me, you write stories, when you do those sort of things, you should chuck away your first twenty or so ideas because yeah. they're going to be crap. Yeah, I think I think David Edding said that you know write ten thousand words and then throw them in the fire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So onto the beer itself. On the beer. So looks wise, it it's is lovely. It's blonde. It's blonde. It's a it's it, yeah. It's like a, a golden color. Um, there's lots of carbonation. There's a lot of bubbles running through yeah. this. Um, I like the head. It's a it's a. Like a crisp, like a rocky. crisp white head, mm. um, a very um, creamy head as well, mm. um, relatively dense. Um, I like the look of this beer. Yeah, it, it it looks enticing to me for like a for sure a summer's day kind of beer. You know, that's what you want. And um, the blonde ales also tend to be quite simplistic in their grain bill, uh, so you often would find maybe only one or two different kinds of malted barley in it. Mm-hmm. Some some might have wheat in it. It's not common, but you can. Um, I would suspect this is a probably at, at most a two grain beer, so you would have a pale malt for the homebrewers out there, and you you would maybe add a little bit a touch of caramel malt, just for color, almost, and not so much for taste really, but uh, you you might get a slight caramelly note mm. if the brewer used a, a, a substantial amount of the caramel malt. You could put Munich malt in it, something like that as well, to get the color in there. And a little more of the bready, the bready kind of flavors. Yeah. I think that maybe that's what I'm picking up is a bit of that bready flavor. Mm. Um, there's not a lot of caramel in there. Mm. Um, I'm not tasting a lot of um, the, mm. the deeper flavors. No, it's more like toast, like lightly yeah. toasted bread. Yeah, which which is enjoyable. It's, it it makes mm. it very refreshing. It's not a not a super challenging beer. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not asking a lot of questions on my taste buds, but mm. it's it's nice. It's a it's a very crisp Well, that's beer. the thing with blonde uh, ales. It's not it's not meant to challenge you. It's meant to mm. refresh you. It's meant to be sort of an alternative to lager. Mm. And your hop profiles also are quite muted. It's there to provide backbone and balance, but it's not a very hop-forward beer. What's uh, what is the differences in your your grains between a, a lager and a and a, a blonde ale? There might be because in a in a proper Sort of a Czech lager, for instance, you would put um, Pilsner malt in it. I was going to say, I mean, because this almost has kind of a Pilsner-y mm. feel to it. And some brewers who do um, blonde ales use the Pilsner malts as well. The, the Pilsner malts, tend, depending on which malts you use, they, they can impart a little bit more of a malty, toasty flavor than the, the classic pale ale malts, which are much more neutral. Mm. Um, so if you want to produce a bit of a more toasty blonde ale, it wouldn't be a bad idea to mix... Um, in some Pilsner malt, or even use it, even use Pilsner malt exclusively. Mm. Um, that's that's really. But I mean, the main difference is obviously between lagers and and uh, you know the, the ales are. You're still going to get a more fruity flavour out of the ale yeast, mm. which you're using for your blonde ales, and we do get that even with um, with the Cape Town blonde. Sure, sure. It's a it's a good beer. I'm, mm. really, I'm enjoying this, and I could. Um, so taste wise, man, what are you picking up here? Um, it's look. It's a very clean, very mm. crisp flavour profile. Mm. So. 
Um, like you said, it's not it's not super um, complex flavors. There's not a, there's not a lot of caramel. There's not a lot of malt. Um, it's very kind of straightforward, mm. which is why probably why it's refreshing. Um, it finishes very clean. There's not a lot of aftertaste. Um, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm a little picking bit of up yeasty aroma. Sure, I'm picking up that bread yeastiness, oh. the, the toastiness. Um, it's very clean finish. It finishes nice and dry, which I love. Yeah, it is a very dry finish. Got a nice dry finish. Um, the hop is a bit of a residual bitterness, but not too much. I think it's it's also, I mean, I know from <laughs> experimenting with Blondales quite a lot, it's a very difficult beer to make properly. Really? Yeah. And the main reason for it is there's nothing to hide behind. I was going to say, the simplicity probably yeah. means that, you know, you can't add a little bit, a little bit of that uh, to you, you can't, create layers. Exactly. You can't, and you can't hide all flavors very easily with hops and with other mm. things. It's it's what you see is what you get. Yeah. And it, it's a it's a bit of a test of the brewer's skill mm. to produce a really well made uh, blonde ale. Yeah, well, uh, well, then I think Drifters have nailed this one. It's a it's, so. it's a really solid beer. I'd I'd love to buy a six pack of this. Mm. I mean, this is I could have a six pack. I could sit in the garden like we are now. Yeah, and have a six pack of this. Also, a nice kind of beer to introduce to people new to craft beer. It's not too challenging. Mm. It doesn't scare the hell out of them. You're not going to give them your double IPA yeah. face melter right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. So this is a nice one to show them. Look, this is this tastes like beer for you, like yeah. if you're used to lager. Yeah. But it's got a slightly different flavor. It's not as bitter as lager. It's not as it doesn't have that dry lager kind of mm. uh, malt profile. Mm. It's it's just very nice. Yeah, good one, Drifters. That's that's really really good. Mm. So we'll we'll rate them later when we now finish them and we we put them against each other in yeah. some kind of rank order. No. Yeah. So let's go on to the next one. But I'm still enjoying this one. Huh. Can't you <laughs> give me Drink maybe, up already, maybe buddy. give me twenty minutes? Okay, I'm almost. I done can see that the drinking in the sun while doing a podcast is going to be such a yeah, good idea. This is working really, really well because oh, we because we didn't get drunk enough through every other podcast. Now no. we've got to like accelerate the process. Right, so that's that's uh, Drifters Drifter, Cape Town Blonde. Cape Town Blonde. Next up, we have we're moving back to Josie to our old friends. Oh, Agar's. Agar's. Fantastic. They were the winner of the IPA off recently, which we had. <sighs> With Tom Hawk. Were they, was the Tom Hawk the winner? Come on, man. No, no, really, was it? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have since that we episode. Drank that much. <laughs> <laughs> I have since that episode mm. drank an almost astonishing amount of IPAs, and because yeah. I, I, I retried the the Juicy Lucy, okay. um, I you know obviously had to have another King's Blockhouse, um, uh, as well as a lot of the ones that we didn't mm. try, like the dry the the fresh hop. IPA from uh, yeah. Jack Black, and um, yeah, no, uh, uh, after that episode, I couldn't remember which one won because mm. they were all so unbelievably no, good. Right. They really, really the, were. The Tomahawk was the winner. Okay, well, the, the, uh, it's a worthy winner because that Tomahawk is, yeah. as you know, my favorite. Let's go before the poor quickly. Before the poor, nah. <laughs> no, okay, moving along. no boo, agars. <laughs> No, Agar. They're going to start sending us pipe bombs in the mail. <laughs> Look, we, we're yeah, not... try this black little bottle of liquid. <laughs> yes, add this to your meals once a day. Uh, that's arsenic. Mm. Um, no, we, there's no reason for us to belabor the point. Agar's... Agar's really never going to talk to you. No, no. No, guys. No. I feel, I feel mm. bad about it. But anyway, anyway. I right. should feel worse about it. That's before the pour. Let's look at the actual yeah. beer itself. Very clear. Very clear. Much clearer than mm. the Drifters. Slightly less golden, a bit more straw-colored. Yeah, a little clearer. Less carbonation. Yeah. Um, Definitely more fruity on the nose. Yeah, there's a bit more there. Mm. There's a Definitely more fruity, but it, it has a slight tropical note, which might, makes me think of something like Tropical Passion, or Southern Passion, sorry. Southern Passion is a, 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 a small hop grown in, in South Africa, which has passion fruit and um, lychee flavors. I think I, I think lychee I mm. might actually be smelling here. Yeah, it's actually picking up some lychee. So that could be. I th- I'm pretty sure it's Southern Passion. I I know it came out and it was called J11, which was the I don't know the strain. <laughs> the pharmaceutical. <laughs> the pharmaceutical reference. <laughs> we put some White Widow in this one. <laughs> Durban poison. I don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> um, yes, you never went to university. Yeah. So it could be that that uh, lychee. Uh, hop, which which is quite interesting. It's an interesting take on the blonde ale. Yeah, um, it, it's strange. Like you use the you use the term uh, blunt for mm. for the the kind of bitterness there, and it's right because it kind of you taste it and then it doesn't go anywhere mm. else. Mm. It it kind of you you're like okay that beer is 
bitter and it doesn't mm. sit on your tongue. It doesn't yeah. go anywhere. There's no, there's no layers to it. It almost makes it seem watery because you're not getting depth of mm. flavor in it. Um, there's no prolonged flavor down the line and it sure. kind of like just ends there, you know? I've got to say that I like it, you know? No, 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 I do, I do like it as well. I mean, alcohol-wise, it's 4.5% and, and the one we just had from Drifter, I'm trying to look for it again, difficult to find information, 5%, which is interesting. Um, Drifter certainly didn't taste like a 5% beer. But I'm, this, this, like many of Agar's beers, which is so weird to me, is that they kind of grow on you. <laughs> I'm serious. The first few sips, you're thinking, like a Carson. Mm, I'm not sure. And then a couple of sips later, it's like this is really interesting. And then a couple of sips later, it's like I think I want another one. I don't. I the scent is interesting though because yeah, right off the I'm, bat, I'm 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 feeling a bit weird about it. Right off the bat, I would have said this is a little bit phenotic. So it's got a bit of a clove like yeah. um, yes thing going on. Now again, we don't really know what style Agars is really trying for you because. Your classic American blonde ale, which I suspect is supposed to be, um, does not have a lot of phenolics going on. But you have Belgian blonde beers for which phenolic flavors are almost essential. A requirement, yeah. And so what they could have done here perhaps is to use a Belgian yeast um, in making this beer, and that would have accounted for the the slightly phenolic um, aromas. We'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know what their intent was. Um, uh, look, it's v- it, the the complete lack of complexity makes it very easy to drink. I like this. I really do. And I maybe it is because the slightly there's a slight Belgian characteristic to this beer for me. I. It's almost like it reminds me actually of a much more muted, toned down, and and I'm going to say it. Easy drinking, easy drinking version of Dufel, which is the classic strong golden Belgian ale. This isn't growing on me. It's okay. Okay. So, so you're not. I think I'm going to have, for, in, for one of the the rare we, times we departing where we're departing here. I, I don't think it's a bad beer, but uh-huh. I don't I don't think it's a good beer either. Okay. Um, I uh, I'm. It. It tastes like a, it tastes like an SAB beer. And that worries me. It's interesting. I, I, I must say you, I haven't uh, picked that up, but you, uh, I can see how you can. You're speaking to someone who drinks Castle Light, so mm. I'm literally an expert in the subject of SAB beers. No, I can see what you mean by that. And, and, and it could just be because this is perhaps, and again, I'm making massive assumptions for lack of any information on the label, but this could be their cheapest beer, which they're producing in the sense of using only local ingredients, using mm-hmm. SA Brewery mm-hmm. Pale Malt, sure. uh, which a lot of the craft brewers, unfortunately, in my mind, are using. Um, so they, they, they use the sort of cheapest malts available, the cheapest hops available, cheapest yeast available, and, and that becomes sort of a, a high-profit margin beer for you as a craft brewer, but I'm, I'm not sure it's honoring you know, the idea behind yeah. craft beer. I don't know, man. Um, that's kind of on a par with a Hansa for me. Right. I'm not super, not a, super not a fan. Um, it's, I wouldn't go out of my way to buy that. Mm. I wouldn't go out of my and way And I to guess, buy again, it. with the compounded problems of labels and mark and branding, it's not going to yeah, do that well but, for you. Yeah, and I'm pretty disappointed by that. Um, mm. We normally, I, I normally am pretty punty about agars, but I, don't, I just don't think that's a... You know what? Maybe it's just not my style. Maybe yeah. I need to. I like it more than you do. Yes, yeah, you mm. certainly, you certainly do. Cool. Okay. Cool. All right. You yeah. know where we sit with that. All right, Marcel, dip back into the box of beer. Pulling out something interesting. Mm. So, next one up. Also, Josie, we're we're sticking to Johannesburg for now, which is nice because I think we've mm. had uh, quite a lot that's come from down in the. We camp. have. Look, if you look at the latest statistics released on South African breweries, which uh, Lucy uh, Cornet did not so long ago on her blog, um, Brewmistress, it's it's still majority Cape Town in terms of number of breweries. Yeah. Cool. So what do we got there? So we've got uh, Two Oaks Brewery. Two Oaks Brewery, established 2014, it says on the label. And it's their blonde. They are in a suburb I never remember in Johannesburg. Um Storm Hill. That's not a suburb. Apparently it is, man. That's not a suburb. <laughs> That's the setting for a Game of Thrones campaign. <laughs> or Storm Mill. Sorry, it's Storm Mill. Storm Mill. Storm Mill, I think, is somewhere in south southwest Joburg. Um, so basically just closed off to us completely. 
Pretty much. We're not allowed in there. We're not allowed in there. <laughs> we're, we're not allowed anywhere south of the N1. <laughs> I might be wrong. So apologies to, to Oaks if I've gotten your address completely wrong. Um, but they are a production brewery. Um, and they are run, their master brewer is Henny Kloppers. And um, he is really a fantastic guy in beer. I've, I've met him a few times now and chatted to him. I, I, I like calling him the hardest working guy in beer at the moment because he really does work hard. Um, he's, he's, he's been very good at getting his beer out there, and you're seeing more and more of it. Um, and he's just the sort of guy who doesn't mind driving halfway across town for, to deliver a six-pack of beer for yeah, someone. Yeah. And that's the way you that's, should do uh, it. That's the ethos that we need, absolutely. That's the way you should do it. Two so, oaks. Before the pour? Before the pour. You know, it's not the worst label I've ever seen. Um, it's much more traditional in its sort of it's got it's got almost like a crest uh, like design. Yeah. Um there's an interesting sort of Janus two face yeah. uh which is also a buffalo kind of thing going on there. I quite like it. It's interesting. Um but overall no. I mean the label doesn't really do it for me. Uh it's it's got it's a it's a bit flat. It's a bit flat. It's a bit flat. Um, um but unfortunately there's some of the elements which we've spoken of before in labeling the by now familiar uh hop cone and barley yeah, yeah. Uh, design. Uh presumably because it's the blonde there's uh, the silhouette of a of lady's legs and uh, high heels. Oh uh, well there you go. It's a bit more subtle though than most. You're going to have to look for it. Yeah, but it's there. It's the showgirl's legs. Yeah. Um, I do I do see that they've carried the kind of Western motif through. There's like the steer horns. Um, <laughs> That's kind of fun. At first, I, I wasn't sure about the font, but that's that's a Western font, you know. So, yeah. so I, I see where they're getting that from. And then the, on the label, it says things like real beer, real ingredients, real barley, real hops, real yeast, real water. <laughs> Quite funny. <laughs> well, um, fair enough. No preserve, no additives, no cornstarch. Is cornstarch a... You common can, common you, additive yeah, to beer? a lot of uh, SA breweries uh, beer have corn in it. Um, we've spoken about that before, actually. It's just also part of the style of American premium lagers to have corn. I mean, look, I think I think they're, they're trying their best here, but um, certainly can be improved. I mean, there's been a few beer writers who also have commented on the fact that craft brewers sometimes do themselves a disfavor by saying things like, we don't put any preservatives in. No additives, yeah. and then but but macro brewed beers also don't have it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're not really distinguishing yourself. You know, that it's it's almost like a little bit of a false uh, advertising in a sense to say, well, you know, these guys use chemicals in their beer and we don't. But that's bullshit because no. all brewers use chemicals in their beer. Yeah. Um, if you put gypsum in your beer to harden the water for your IPAs, that's chemical. Um, if you use sanitizing uh, agents in your brewery, obviously that's a chemical which will eventually also end up in your beer on some small quantities. So chemicals are kind of common in beer to to control for pH levels in water and so on and to harden or soften your water. And and brewers don't use preservatives. There's no need for it because hops um, and alcohol are natural preservatives. Sure. And if, if anything, they might pasteurize their beer. So if, if I'm a craft brewer and I want to distinguish myself, I might want to say it's not pasteurized. Yeah. Because that does have, uh, some people do believe, and I'm one of them, that it does have a influence on your flavor. On the flavor, yeah. Because it kills all yeast cells. That's one of the things it would do if you pasteurize a beer. So it's not a living liquid anymore. Yeah. Um, but to say that you don't use preservatives and additives, eh, you know. Not not really doing very much. You're not educating the consumer. You're, you're actually perpetuating a stereotype about beer, which is not correct. Okay. All right. There's my rant for today. <laughs> it wasn't a rant. It was an, you just got learned. Okay. okay, so let's check it out. Uh, in the glass. Cloudier. A bit cloudier than the other two beers we've had so far. A similar color straw. to... Yeah, yeah. light straw. Very similar to your, your typical lagers. Scent is very similar for me to agars. It's got a slight yeah. fruity slight fruity note. But probably, I think, a little bit crisper than the agars. Mm. On, the, on the palate, I mean, it's very light. Very light flavors. I'm getting, again, that sort of slightly toasty malted notes. Um... A bit sweeter than the other yeah. two beers. Not as much hops. Yeah. I think unlike the agars, the bitterness does remain, though. You know, it doesn't just mm. hit you and disappear. Um, yeah. No, the bitterness is there, but it's very, very muted. And it's this is definitely a almost sweet beer for me. As sweet as beers get. I yeah. mean, obviously, it's not sweet, sweet. No, sure. Um, there clearly is some hops uh, bouncing out things here. I like it. Well, together, like not it. a bad beer. Yeah. Um, again, this is... Oddly enough... Um, I find almost the label on the two oaks to be a bit more off-putting than the one on Agars, and I'm not sure why. 
Maybe it's because it's a very dark label. Yeah, because that label certainly doesn't describe this beer no, in any way. No, it's all very dark and almost serious looking. Yeah, it's, an, it's, um, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nightclub. Yeah. And this beer is not a nightclub. I would have loved to see a more, even like a more illustrative label, more cartoony kind of stuff going on. Things which are just a bit more lighthearted because the label is almost sort of serious. And, and this beer is, is not that, but it is a very, very refreshing beer. I like it. I really, mm. really do. I don't, I, I don't think it's a bad beer at yeah. all. I think it's um, the definitely has more depth than more than depth. The Agar. There's more body to it. It's a little bit more like the Drifter in its depth. I still think the Drifter is for me still leading the, the pack. I here. think so too. Just I mean the crispness of that Drifter mm. is what would keep me coming back to this. This the, I think this because I can taste a lot more of the of the mm. yeast in it. It takes mm. you know. Detracts from the Christmas, yeah. but it's a it's a good beer. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I'm getting it on the aftertaste though a little bit of that um, very grassy, freshly cut grass flavors of this African hops again. Um, again, I'd be super surprised if they're not using this African hop to bitter it out. And, and again, if you're making a blonde ale and you don't spend too much money on hops, that would be the way to go. Well, that seems to be a motif now. Is that mm. is the, you know your blonde is your mass market? Sure. I'm not sure. I believe that's a good strategy. <laughs> well, I mean, I suppose the question is, if a Blondel mm. is supposed to be a less complex, uh, easy-drinking beer, then maybe that's exactly the route they're, they're going. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't need to buy expensive hops, or, we, you know, to, to be even close to style, it just has to be simple. Maybe, yeah. Look, I mean, I, I think, yeah, there's definitely that grassy, very grassy flavor. Obviously, not a lot of hops here, so you really have to dig for that flavor, but it's definitely there for me in the background. I prefer this to the Agars, but I, I don't think it's as good as the Drifters. Yeah, it, it doesn't have quite the complexity of the Drifters, I don't think. It finishes also reasonably dryish, but mm. not as dry. Yeah. It's also it's got almost no residual flavor. Mm. And I think that's too style. I think the Blondale is meant mm. to cleanse your palate. Mm. It, it's, it's food-friendly in that sense that you're going to have this with not overly strong foods, but it would do well with something like a, a cheese, like a brie cheese, your creamy cheese. It's not going to contribute very much to the flavor. Yeah, but I mean, this would be delightful with a, a with a nice a pizza, a chicken pizza, for instance, where your flavors are, tend to be a bit more muted. Your your creamy cheeses, mm. because it, uh, the carbonation will cleanse the palate without overpowering the yeah. flavor. Yeah, I can see that. Which incidentally is why beer is a better pairing to cheese. Just for all you wine nerds out there. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, man. Jokes yeah. on them. All I do is drink uh, methylated <laughs> spirits with my cheese. <laughs> exactly. I think this is a more interesting beer mm. than the Agar. So I, I mean, it certainly calls for, for another, I think. It's, mm. it's one of those mm. sessionable beers. Yeah, I could have another I one I wouldn't of those. mind having another one. Yeah, of those. Certainly. certainly. Cool. Good one there for Two Oaks. Back into the box of beer. Back in the box. Oh, it's like Marcel spoilt for choice here. Like his hand <laughs> wavers above the box. Like, what will he put out The magical box. Yeah. It is so magical. Yeah. And here we go. We are back in Cape Town again. I can I can see from the side of that bottle <laughs> who this is made by. Thank you very much. And we're back in Cape Town. We're in um, near near enough to uh, Salt River or uh, Woodstock, and the brewery is one we love. It's uh, Devil's Peak. Devil's Peak, first light golden ale. Possibly, I think, the first craft beer I ever drank. Really? I think, yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. Cool. And it is one of their first, yeah, it's one of their first production beers they, they brought out. Um, it's called First Light Golden Ale, handcrafted in the Cape, it says on the bottle. It's got all the delightful graphic elements we now have come to associate with uh, Devil's Peak. 4.5% alcohol. And again, the golden ale is... Pretty much, in my mind, the same as the blonde. It's just a different uh, name for it. Um, and it's uh, Unless it is a Belgian golden ale, but these, these are not uh, Belgian ales. So let's see. What, what do you think of before the pour here? Um, we've, we've discussed uh, Devil's Peak's branding before. Um, for, for better or worse, they've established the kind of uh, the symbols and mm. the look and the feel of their labels mm. uh, and it's uh, it, yeah they've established it. It's, it, yeah. Uh, it works for them. Um, it's a it's a muddle of mm. a lot of different things. <laughs> yeah, it's um, busy. It's very very busy. Uh, what I do like and which I haven't really noticed before, they've got like these little weird truisms mm. uh, on the side. I'm your best friend, your constant beer companion. Mm. That I mean, I'm got to tell you, if I was like six beers down <laughs> reading that, I would be like, 
I am in love mm. with this yeah, brewery. Yeah. They are my best friend. Yeah, I um, like that about truth, them. Truth to material. Yeah, well, that's the that's their main strapline. Truth to material. Um, I I don't think I'm qualified enough to discuss Devil's Peak branding. I don't. <laughs> I honestly like it is it is such an insane amount of stuff that yeah. goes on in these labels that I don't think that there's any way for me to in any way really criticize or compliment mm. it. It's it's a devil's peak. It's quintessentially devil's yeah. peak. And what I like about it is it again challenges the conception of what normal beer labeling is supposed to look like. It looks like a, a um, an alchemist's table. It's, you know, first light mm. and there's mythological symbols and yeah. I I like the use of color and we, we I think we discussed this when we mm. looked at the blockhouse as well. I mean that the the orange they've used as the kind of accent color for first light is is really really nice. And that gives me more of an idea of the golden ale flavor yeah. than Well, exactly. The, the color sort of complements the beer. It's, it's, yeah, for sure. In the, in the very clear, it's probably the clearest of the beers we've had. Yeah. Really crystal clear. I think the most similar to the Drift is in terms of its combination mm. and its head. Also a golden kind of color. On the nose, immediately a different flavor, though. Yeah. There's almost there's like a, a slight fruitiness. There's a fruity richness. Mm. Um, you, can, you, can, also you can actually smell malt. Quite a malty foreground here. It's a denser beer. It's not as um, light mm. as the others we've tasted. Yeah. Look, it's a beer I know well because I have a lot of it. Um, it's, <laughs> Tell it's, us what you think about this beer that you drink literally every day of your life. It's often, I mean, the reason I drink a lot of it is it's often one of the only Devil's Peak beers which are commonly available on tap and Joe in Johannesburg. Mm. Um, it, it seems like a lot of restauranteurs don't want to go too uh, scary IPA, so they usually end up with the first light. And maybe they, they, Devil's Peak, knowing that, puts a bit more flavor into this uh, than your typical blonde ales we've yeah. had up to now. I, I have difficulty, and I will have difficulty, comparing this to the other three we've mm. had. It just, because it's so much more complex, it actually, the, uh, and whether that's a style difference mm. or, or a, a, a conscious effort into yeah. it, like you say, it, it's difficult for me to categorize them in the same mm. in the same level, you know. Yeah. Okay, and it has a lot of the same characteristics. Though, I have to say, it, it finishes very dry, very it's, clean. It's crisp and it's dry. Yeah, there's sure. almost no residual sure. aftertaste here. Uh, there's not a lot of um, yeasty flavors, mm. but it's it's a different it's it's a it's a different beer. Yeah, it's a different beer. It's. Uh, I think it's got some seriously interesting fruity notes. I think it's got some interesting, um, also slightly grassy hops. Um, but also tropical hops. Um, yeah, there's more. There's more crunch there than than, mm. than in any of the others. That's chewy. It's a chewy yeah. beer. Yeah, but it's light. It's light in in many different aspects. It's it finishes light. It finishes mm. crisp. Um, uh, look, I know that you you've now said two or three times during this podcast that you you're categorizing the golden owls and and uh, yeah. you're you're putting them all together. Mm. This is the first one that's been distinctly labeled as a golden owl. Yeah, you don't think that that makes a difference in terms of the style they're trying to present. I don't know. I mean, I, again, I th- I, there's not really a style right now in BJCP guidelines which is a golden ale, um, as far as I know. Might be wrong. A lot of the BJCP nerds might now be jumping <laughs> off their chairs at, you at, as we speak. You haven't read uh, mm. edition 3.5 <laughs> with the amended rule set. Sure. No, I, th- I, I don't think so. I think this is their blonde ale. This is an American blonde ale. Um, a lot of their initial beers were American-style beers anyway. So they, they brought out their American amber, their American blonde and the American IPA. So, no, I think this is an, uh, an American blonde ale. Um, and American blonde ales can be a little bit hoppier. They can be a little bit maltier, like this. So maybe this is more in style to your current, you know, format of American-style blonde ales. Than it is to our local exactly. style. I think the local styles are still very much in keeping with the original homebrewer style of golden ales and blonde ales, which are very simple, very uh, classic palate cleansing beers where Devil's Peak have again pushed the envelope a little bit more than as they do with something with a little bit more flavor and I like that I, it's still a, a blonde ale that you know there's a lot of room for experimentation in this category I <laughs> much like the label I literally do not have the skills to to it's a it is a delicious beer it's mm. a it's a great great beer I cannot compare these to the other I can't mm. compare this beer to the other three there's also like a lemongrassy thing going there's, on. There's there's so much in it. There there's so citra, much in it. There's drops in here. I've got, I've I took a sip, you know, thirty seconds ago. I can still taste it. It's still mm. it's still sitting around there. I can still I can discern different flavors from it. That is not anywhere mm. near like what we taste. Nonetheless, man, we're gonna have to put it on the scale. <laughs> You're forcing <laughs> me into this. Um, 
I'm, I'm glad you you poured this beer because it really is delicious and it's such a we, we had this discussion about um was it brewers and union who do the friday saturday sunday um you're not listening to me are you i'm sorry to you. were you were you back in your box or back yeah. in box of stuff um you know we were talking about brewers and union and they mm. put their their fridays their saturdays their sundays their you know whatever like this is a beer that in my mind could have been called Sunday, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. this is this is this is a Sunday afternoon afternoon to me. It's like mm. uh, crisp, clear, easy drinking. Prepares you with a hint of melancholy. <laughs> the long, you know, preparing for the long dog tea time of the soul. Mm. You've had what well, Douglas Adams said. Um, you know, it's that time on a Sunday when you've had all the baths that you're mm. willing to willing and able to take. No, this is a Douglas Adams beer. I like that. I, I that like means. that. This is Doug. No, it is. It is. It's. It's. it's Bring it, your towel. It's. Don't panic. It's. It's complex. It's. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there. There's stuff hidden in this beer. Mm. It is not. It is not what you see in front of you. Mm. I like that. I really look. I love this beer. Mm. I love this beer. Well, I, I love this beer. No, it's. It's hard not to love. It's a really, mm. really delicious beer. But again, it is a good entry level beer. So maybe if our reviews are more about entry level craft beer than. Strictly saying, blonde ale. Yeah, I would sooner give this to an uh, a, a noob. Yeah, in terms of uh, yeah, someone who's been drinking macro brewed lagers all their life, give this to them and say, because this I, is craft beer. Absolutely, because I think the other three are almost too close to what mm. they already have. You, you've got to give them something that shows why they need to change. You know, why yeah. they need to experience new things and why they need to expand mm. their palate. And this is something that is both close enough to what they know, mm. but yet far enough to give yeah. them something new. Absolutely. Uh, which, may, I mean, yeah, well, I, I said already, this is probably the first mm. craft beer I drank, and maybe that was exactly mm. the right thing. But having said that, the flavors are still very muted. They're not overpowering. It's malty. It's slightly hoppy. Um, it's got slight tropical citrus, almost lemongrass notes. Very little aftertaste, really. I know you said you were tasting it no. sort of still afterwards, but I'm not really tasting it that, no, that long. No, I'm tasting it. I'm definitely tasting it. It's not a. It's not an overwhelming. It's not like a, an IPA where you you know you still have that mm. crunch in the back of your throat for like 20 minutes. No, there's a build up. No, certainly not. Um, but but there's complexity there, mm. which is far more interesting than something that I only taste when I'm drinking it. Mm. No, quite. Thanks, Devil's Peak. Thanks Devil's for your Peak. Fir- thanks for your first light. <laughs> yeah, it's a lovely beer, and I can see why they're still making it. Um, I, th- I think we commented last time when they discontinued some of their production beers yeah. like the Silverlight Saison which I'm very sad about that was still my favorite Saison I've ever had yeah. in this country um, and no more yeah. alas <laughs> well maybe they're focusing on what they do best you know look uh, I think because I mean the Saison was not a was not a mass market beer no I think they've had to focus on some economic issues um you try and sustain their growth. Well, yeah, as does every craft brewer mm. in this country. You know, you have economic complexities that you have yeah. to deal with. I know. It's and making sad. a Saison that only four people in the country drink. Mm. Or um, maybe just Marcel. Or maybe just Marcel. <laughs> I bought all their stock all the time. <laughs> all like, seven yeah, bottles. Whenever I was on holiday, they, they realized that they were, you know, dipping in sales. Yeah, I'll quickly run back to Cape Town. Um, no, look, I'm, I can understand that you have mm. to kind of go back. You have to consolidate. Go back to you, what you know does yeah. well, sells well, mm. um, and one for every palate, you know. Cool. Let's move on. Let's move on. What are, what's, what's up next? Because so, this looks like a new thing. So it's a new one. It's that is the most prototypical craft beer <laughs> label I have ever seen. Really? I don't okay. even know who the brewer is, mm. but that looks like it came out of a WordPress template. Shame. Don't be nasty. I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know who it is. I don't. Know. <laughs> so this is the that blonde ale from that brewing company. Okay. They are in Durban. They're on the ground floor of Forty Three Station Drive. Apparently. All right. I'm not sure where that is. No, I have no idea where that is. So it's I mean, in, I barely know where Durban is. So I know Durban is a place to go. And if you're tired of Durban, you're tired of life. <laughs> if you're tired of Durban, then you're probably tired of Pine Town and Peter Marysburg as well. You've got a whole fucking area. So it's, I, I do like this. I like this little yes. sticker thing yeah. they put on top yeah. of the. No. I don't know what you call that. Is there? There's obviously an official name. I for assume this. so. We'd have to get a like a graphic designer. It's, into, it's like the uh, sticker version of the foil. I think you get on Brewers and Union. So let's open this. I do. Uh, I do. Boy. I do like it. What's nice is it. It keeps your for, it, for, it, for, it keeps as a the cap from falling. I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing. No, I suspect you, what's sorry. going to happen now is the cap's going to tip forward into my glass. While you're trying to pour it, it's going to, exactly. But let's see. So this is that brewing company from Durban's Blonde. 
and uh, we can see right off the bat as we pour it, uh, quite light color. But before the pour, Matt, so yeah, you've you've weighed in with some some rather harsh words. I have. I think on, I on what on their labels? Uh, no, <laughs> this is the prototypical craft label. So this is a nice try, it but is, try again type of thing. It deal. is it like I'm sure I've bought WordPress templates that ha- that use mm. this combination of fonts. Um, it is. It does look a bit generic. It looks like they did get it from one of those online yeah, write your own label programs. Yeah, no. The, I, <laughs> I can see why they think it's funky, and I can see why a lot of people might think it's funky because it uses mm. 14 different fonts, as far as I can tell, off the front of the label. <laughs> um, it's good to see that we're not being harsh here. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's okay. I'll say one more mean thing. It's like only what, one. What it's like what people think a craft beer label should look like. Right. It is. It's yeah. It's mm. fonts and gold and fonts and gold and stitching mm. and I mean look at least they haven't. Oh no, there's a wheat chief there. Mm. Uh, oh no, there's another. There's two wheat chiefs. Um, What's a wheat chief? The 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 chief of wheat over there. What is that? Oh, wheat chief. Wheat chief. Yeah, Jesus. wheat chief. Yeah. Um, I suppose it's barley wheat. So that's good. Mm. Um, yeah, they don't really say very much about the company. At, in fact, they say nothing about the company. They have a hashtag, which is rad. Um, it's not It's not the most objectionable. Matt, Matt is but it's visibly just, it's, de- being, becoming depressed it's as just, we go on. I don't here. know, it just feels lazy. Eh? It's like if you Google craft beer label, this is kind of like what comes up. And that's, well, or maybe that, not, that's because maybe that's even criticism. sadder, because if you did Google it, you'd get better labels, but... Uh, yeah. No, I realize. I mean, it's it's very generic, and and the best part of their labels for me is the little gold uh, sticker it's thing. The sticker that keeps the on cap top on of the like cap. That. That's nice. I've got to say, sorry guys, and I I don't know you. You're probably nice people, and I love you, and you know, don't send me in any, that way that we love all humankind. Don't send me any Durban by bombs, but um, that brewing company. I'm not sure about that name. I think that was in your first 25. Yeah, that should have been ideas. chucked out. That, um, that doesn't that doesn't wow. really isolate anything. No, it's not that clever. Um, but but it's what's in the bottle that matters, huh? It certainly is. Right. And again, I mean, there's some. It's a little bit more. In fact, I mean, having said that, apart from Devil's Peak, they are the only company which has at least a little story here about the beer, light gold, crisp and refreshing. Uh, that blonde is made for session drinking. Drink me, I'm awesome. Kind of cute. Um, yeah, it is vaguely cute. Okay. They've got, again, the, the generic um, you know, uh, ingredient list, barley, wheat. This is the first one we have with wheat with in wheat, it. With wheat, yeah. And the reason you might want to put wheat in a, in a blonde ale, by the way, for the homebrewers, is it, it, it makes it more crisp and it makes it lighter. And wheat imparts a, a cleaner, um, you know, sort of... Almost, I find sometimes wheat beers with wheat, you know, wheat components in beer have a slightly sandy, sandy yeah, flavor. No, to I, know what I know what you're saying. Not sandy, a bad sandy, s- not dusty. Sandy is sandy. a sandy is a is a, <laughs> mineral. Very, a very bizarre, a little bit more mineral adjective. But I understand exactly what you're saying. It's it's more similar to the mineral notes you find in wine sometimes, yeah. like in a good Sauvignon Blanc when yeah. there's a mineral flavor. Yeah, it's actually got a flintiness to it, and I find that wheat sometimes imparts that flavor for me in beers. Okay. Especially if you use it in in conjunction with barley, and not as a, a a wheat beer. So let's have a taste. Uh, having a look at it, a mm. little bit more amber than the first light. Certainly a little bit more, a little darker. Bit. Interesting notes in in aroma. Very clean. <sighs> Got to say, very clean aroma. No flaws. Again, quite flinty. Flinty. Yeah. Mineral notes. Now oh, that is interesting. Oh, I like that. That is almost like Sauvignon Blanc beer. That is so cool. I like that. Mm. That's like the first light, but like twisted on its side. This actually, you know what? It actually reminds me a little bit of the original, original first light, because the first light we're having now is is a different recipe from the one I had when when Devil's Peak just came out. And you know, it's interesting. I said, again, I know nothing about this brewery or what they're using, uh, but I would I would suspect they're using some American hops here. Hmm. Because there's something undeniably... I can't describe this. Mm, this is, there's sort of stone like fruit, a, yeah, mul- uh, uh, gooseberry flavors. It's not fruity-fruity. It's, no, like it's, it's, it's like a bitterness, but not a hot bitterness. It's weird. Mm. 
I think it is opulence. I think it's just a, a, the American. I, I think it's an American op they're using here, and it's probably something like go on a limb here and say it's it's one of your traditional bittering American ops like Chinook or Centennial, but they're using it in 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 more of a flavor way. And and those hops tend to have pine resin, um, you know, sort of uh, what cedar, yeah, cedar that notes, woody forest floor, forest floor stuff, yeah. And if you use this in a in a very muted way, which obviously you would in a in a blonde ale, you might well get this. The, this kind of combines the crisp flatness mm. of the first three we drank mm. with that bit more hops, bit more complexity, yeah. bit more flavor of the first light. Hey, man. It's, it's really nice. I dig it. We should get these people on the line and, and speak to them and find out what they're using. This is really, really nice. Got good beer, man. Yeah. They're, like I say, I think that there's a lot of the, the posit- positives that I like from the the real blonde ales that we tasted up front, along with a bit of complexity, a bit, yeah. of, uh, a bit of weirdness, which I really, really like. I like the flintiness of it. I really do. Because, I mean, it keeps it crisp while still imparting the flavor, and it doesn't make it too sweet either. Yeah. I also think it's part of the yeast um, treatment here. Yeah, there's the, the yeast component is definitely what's making things happen. Here. I think no, it's, it's, it's really nice. I'm, I'm, just so, I'm surprised because I really expected from the labeling, from the branding, to it be, for and, it to be a, con- that, a very, very and, conventional And that, beer. by the way, dear craft brewers, is exactly what we keep on talking about on this podcast is – your labels can fuck you. Yeah, they 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 create expectancy. You, know, you may have a wonderful beer in that bottle, but your label might be so off-putting that we will never experience that yeah. beer. And that's that's a pity. It's four um, percent alcohol, so it's nice and light. It's Look, crystal the, clear, eh? crystal yeah. crystal clear. And and the the thing about the alcohol content of blonde ales um, also is they should be a bit lighter in alcohol. They should be sessionable beers, so it means that you you need to go for the from three point five to 4.5 range. I would argue that even a 5% uh, blonde, which some of these which we've yeah, tasted are we, a little we, bit too had much. A, we've had a 5%. Sir. So maybe a bit too much for the style because you, you don't want to be you know, worrying too much about the alcohol content of the uh, blonde ale. Again, this is, the, mm. this is the what we've been talking about in terms of style. This is what could make me have three or four of them rather than mm. just one. I like this beer. I mean, it's it's something which is some you know it's kind of complex enough to to hold my interest. Yeah, and it's not insipid or anything. Yeah, this is a lovely surprise. Yeah, lovely, lovely surprise. Well done, guys. That and that brewing company. We keep we keep on being surprised by the KZN beers. So maybe there's something mm. going on there in KZN which mm. we should go and explore, preferably in person. <laughs> I suppose uh, we're also what we're seeing is when we get surprised, it's about beers that are like. They're they're on style and they're on their mm. and they're and they're good on style, but at the same time they've got these little things that just separate them from the rest, and and it makes you go, whoa, hang on a sec. That's for me is what crop is all about. It's it's the ability to surprise people a little bit and play with styles because mm. you're not stuck in the BJCP straitjacket. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, the, the probably the quintessential brewery which they've done that really well is something like Dogfish Head. Yeah, they take a style and they play with it. Yeah, and they take it. For a walk, sure, and and at the same time create a fanatical following. As yet, we don't have that kind of brewery in South Africa, which does that. No, we thing. don't have people who line up for Not two yet. days. <laughs> says myself <laughs> with a very steely glint in his eye. Steely-eyed missile man. Fantastic, nice one, cool. that brewing company. I think that's it for the blondes. Okay, right. So we have plowed our way through. For these. you, dear listener, we have taken one for the team. <laughs> through these blondes slash golden ales. <laughs> Um, we just to remind you, we had the Drifters Cape Town Blonde. Mm-hmm. We had the Agar, uh, the Agar's Josie Blonde. We had the Two Oaks Blonde. blonde. First we, Light Golden Ale. First Light Golden Ale. And we had the That Brewing Company, That Blonde Ale. Mm. Now it comes to the difficult part of ranking them, Matt, and picking which ones go to Mars and which ones we would rather leave behind. Yeah. Um, I... Let me answer your second question first. Mm. Allow me to do that. Uh, I, the first light is a seminal beer, mm. and I would be very happy to take that to Mars. Mm. Out of all of these, that is that is my pick mm. there. Um, I mentioned before that I would struggle to rate these beers yeah. on the back of the Devil's Peak as well as the the, the that blonde mm. ale because they were very very different. I think in terms of what we were talking about today and the style that we were looking at today, I. Um, I think the Drifter has mm. has really nailed it. You know, in yeah. terms of uh, easy drinking, really clean, crisp finish, 
uh, enjoyable mm. beer. I really enjoyed that. I thought that the the Two Oaks uh, was okay. Yeah. I thought the Josie Blonde missed the mark for me big mm. time. I was actually quite disappointed in that one. Okay. Um, especially knowing Agar's other beers, which you mm. know I'm a fan of. So uh, that's a pity. The Devil's Peak and the and the that blonde ale kind mm. of made the day for me because that blonde was uh, very different, very yeah. interesting. They're doing something strange there, which is something mm. that I really enjoy. And uh, the first light is, as I said, seminal. It's a it's a beer that you can't argue with. No, you're right. So, so if you had to rank order, so let's let's introduce some old new rating system to uh, Scum Beer and Villainy. All oh, right, because we don't have enough rating systems. We don't have enough. Uh, let's rank them from first to last. What's your number one blonde ale? If I'm taking all five of them together, as mm. I'm going to say, the first light. Okay. Then I'm going to say the that blonde ale. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to say the Drifters. Mm-hmm. Then the Two Oaks. Mm-hmm. And then the Josie Blonde from Agos. Okay. I'm I'm going to go slightly different from you. Which surprises me, actually. I'm going to put the That Blonde Ale first. I like that. Simply because like it really that. surprised me. It, it, it's a very... It reminded me, actually, strangely enough, of the very first rendition. Of First Light. Of First Light. Yeah. And then second, I'm actually going to put the Drifter. Okay. Um, okay. And, and I just like their beers. It's, it's dry. I like yeah. the dry finish. I mean, Drifter was the driest of the beers we tried yeah. for me. Yeah. And I, you can't go wrong with a dry beer for me. Then I would go f- at, a, at a hair's breadth, breadth um, first light. First light. Then Two Oaks. Um, also pretty close. And uh, then Agar's. I liked Agar's more than you, but I agree. Of the five, it wasn't the one which showed yeah. up. Yeah. Okay. Well, nice one, Marcel. The good way to do our first uh, Scumbia Villainy mm. short. Short. I hope it was not, shorter for all no, of you. Yeah, it wasn't. It's not as short as I think. This we is a medium. We should call it the medium. <laughs> yes, we'll have an actual short next. But thanks, man, and thanks everyone for tuning in. And thanks, we'll see myself. you on the flip side. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.